Welcome to My Friends in the North with PR and management consultant Sarah Waddington as she interviews some of the leading lights in the north of England about their work, the economy, communications and what makes them tick. Hello and welcome to My Friends in the North. You'll be in the swing by now as this is episode three of a series where I chat to leaders in the north about what makes them tick. Guests just have to check a few boxes in terms of being interesting, influential and generally nice people. And today my guest fits all three as I'm sitting with Joanne Whitfield, who is the fund director at FW Capital, which provides finance to help businesses in the north of England. So let's find out more about Jo, her work and scratch the surface of her personal life. Jo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Thanks for coming on. Um, so let's kick off. FW Capital provides finance to businesses. So tell us a little bit about the business and the funds that you manage and who's eligible. So FW Capital, we specialise in, in SME finance and we run a number of funds and invest a number of funds in and around the regions that we, that we work. So we've got three active funds at the moment that we're investing. We've got the Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund, which is our biggest investment fund, active across the north of England and targeting SMEs with debt finance who are more established. So it's not, it's not necessarily for startups, but more people that are wanting to step up their growth um, and move on to the next level. So, so we've had some lots of exciting businesses approach us for that fund. We've also got a property development fund, which is available here in the, in the North East LEP area. And it's, that's to help smaller developers access the finance that they need for smaller residential projects and also non-speculative commercial projects. So that's an exciting one as well. We fairly recently launched that, so that's been running for a couple of years. And we're making investments up to a million pounds from that. So we've had some interest in smaller scale resi schemes that we've been doing and our first commercial scheme as well. Um, the last fund that, that is actively investing is called the um, Tees Valley Catalyst Fund. It's available across the northeast, and that is really focusing around supporting businesses who are winning large contracts. There might be bonds associated with that, so it provides finance to support those bonds. Generally, I suppose taking a step back, there are lots of terms and conditions around the funds that we manage, but really what we're about is supporting small and medium businesses predominantly to achieve growth that they couldn't achieve um, because that, that finance is not available in, in, from mainstream banking anymore and we're stepping into the shoes of where those banks have left, taking a little bit more risk and, and trying to help those businesses through the, um, through the path of finance to, to hopefully go and do great things. And often we'll occasionally work with banks as well, I guess, in terms of both putting finance in where needed. Yeah, absolutely. And we do that regularly, you know, and actually we're targeted to do that as part of our funds to, to encourage the private sector to invest. So typically we work um, with the funds that we manage, typically alongside asset-based lenders, mainstream banking. So they, they typically take a senior position and we come in after that. So making, making sure that the, um, the businesses have the full finance package that they need in order to, uh, to do to do the things that they need to do. Well, that's good. And actually, your portfolio, if you have a look at it, it's very diverse. It's not one particular type of business that you tend to invest in either. That's right. Yeah, we, we, we do um, invest across a range of sectors. I mean, there are the, there are the sector-specific funds like the Property Finance Fund, and there are sectors that are prevalent in, in um, for example, the Catalyst Fund, where we look at businesses working with renewables. But in the mainstream Northern Powerhouse Fund, We've invested in a cheesemaker, we've invested in um, a service-based business, we've invested in manufacturers, we'll do a whole range of things. Um, the purpose of the, of the funding is quite flexible, so um, it's really about growth, so we're not specifically looking to fund one particular thing. 
That's great. Now, I'm interested in the fact that you've got a mathematical engineering degree, which sounds like my idea of hell. It's got to admit, <laughs> math's not my strong point. But you've also a qualified chartered accountant. What? How did your passion in this grow? Because clearly, you <laughs> decided to really do maths. <laughs> how, why did you choose this as a career path? <laughs> oh, so, I've, I've, this is the giggy bit, I suppose. I loved maths when I was growing up. But I, I'm, someone I, had to. If someone had to, I know someone had to. I didn't just love maths, I did art as well, which is a bit odd. But anyway, I'll not bore you with the details. In terms of maths, I love numbers, the logic behind it, um, problem solving, all of those things that are really you know and my skill set so it seemed sensible for me to follow a career that then led me to doing mathematical engineering which sounds very posh it was actually a joint honours with um, mechanical engineering and more applied maths so it was interesting actually it was hard work mind but it was interesting you know did lots of great things I did some biomechanics just to learn how um, hip joints worked and things and the the, you know the maths kind of um, and the mechanics around that but also I learned how to weld, very handy. This is the University of Leeds folks, get yourself along. I'm a graduate too, obviously the best people come from there. Excellent, yes, excellent. So it was, yeah, that was, from university then, I always kind of imagined I would go into finance or accountancy or something like that, just because of um, my deep-rooted love of maths. Um, so uh, so um, I applied for a few jobs leaving university and I was lucky enough to get a job at Deloitte, which started the career Great in accountancy. Start brilliant grounding in, in moving into a, a career in finance. Mm. So, so yeah, so that's, that's my uh, geeky past. <laughs> well, it's obviously worked for you, which is great. <laughs> One of the things, obviously, it's just, you know, you're kind of grounded in STEM subjects. One of the things that I've noticed about FW Capital, so you've got a really strong female-led team, and that's really very unusual in finance. It shouldn't be, and no people mm-hmm. are trying to make moves to change that, but it is still the case. Was that a deliberate choice? Do you see it as important? Do you think we need to get more women into STEM roles? Do you know, it's, um, it wasn't a deliberate move. I think it's an interesting one. And actually, until we had the full team in place, I didn't really appreciate the balance that is quite unusual and that, that we've got a predominantly female team. We do have some, um, some males in the team as well, so there is some, there is some balance, but there's a marginal, uh, marginal swing in, in favour of females. And I, I just think it's not about what gender you are for me. And it shouldn't be about that. It's about who's right for the job and who's best for the job. Amen. That's how I go into recruitment. And perhaps it's easier from from a female perspective where you are less aware of of gender prejudice, perhaps. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I think it's a little bit of a point of difference for us. And the finance community is quite unusual, although I am pleased to say that there there are more women coming through. And it's perhaps... It is, it is something that people remind, remember us by and, um, you know, perhaps it, if there's somebody that is available and, and they can access finance from a range of people. I would hope that all of my team um, deliver, and I absolutely am confident that they do, deliver exactly the same service whether you're speaking to one of the, the gents or one of the ladies. So Absolutely. Just to come back then to your, um, you know, your love of maths at school. Yeah. Well, not to labour the point. <laughs> But obviously, you loved it and you chose it as a career um, choice. Was there much you know, advice from the careers people to do that? Do you think there's enough of that in school? I mean, obviously, we now have a big push. You know, I work with the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership. Yeah. Their skills programme is very much designed to mm-hmm. enhance the careers provision and to make sure that 
lots mm-hmm. of people, not just females, are going yeah. into STEM subjects and, and, and those kind of roles. Do, yeah. Did you did you feel that that was the way for you? Were you lucky at school? I think I suppose I'm somebody who who always goes up against challenges. They, I, I I'm not frightened by that, and I'm not put off by people saying this is not the norm. Mm. So. So I don't think there was a level of encouragement necessarily into those areas. You're quite single-minded about it. Yeah, I didn't feel it was a. I didn't feel that 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 should mean that there was a barrier. So I just you know went ahead. But you go into university, and it was very you know I was certainly in a minority as, as a female in through that university path, and you do notice, but it didn't hold me back. Yeah. I I think that now um, I see that things are changing. There's a lot of encouragement. I'm really proud and pleased to say that. My niece, um, Amy, she was at an academy that um, that was STEM based oh, yeah. in Durham, and she's managed to at seven, well, seventeen, sixteen actually she was at the time, um, secured an apprenticeship at Accenture. Oh wow! Going through a technology route. Great stuff. So she's got a six-year apprenticeship where she's um, she's she's studying for a degree alongside work experience, and that sort of thing is is really great because that's going to lead on to a job for her, provided she can get through the uh, through the studying as well as the as, as the work. But the companies like Accenture are really focusing on it and, and wanting to get a 50-50 gender balance by 2025. Yeah. So I think things like that, you know... We need more of those schemes, don't yeah, we? Yeah, companies leading from the front like that and, and not, not seeing it as a barrier and almost like trying to encourage, that's a great thing, I think. But I come back to the fact that you have to have the right person for the job. So if the people don't get into that seat, seat there shouldn't be a there shouldn't be a positive bias yeah. towards people just to just to make the numbers look better. I'm really yeah, against, against that. Against quotas, no. Yeah. Agree. Um, I had a really good poker on the internet, and I spotted that you did an international running challenge, completing two half marathons and a full marathon in three countries. A, what possessed you? <laughs> and B, are you still running? <laughs> I was like, what's <laughs> wrong with this what lady? She's doing? into maths and she likes oh, running marathons. No, 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 that's how you're wrong, Sarah. I don't like running. I run badly. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's important to keep fit, isn't it? Mm. And um, my way of doing that is is signing up for ridiculous challenges, basically, because otherwise I wouldn't ever get my trainers on. That's the, that's the thing about it. It encourages me to, to, to push myself and to, to, you know, do things ordinarily I wouldn't do. So... Yes, I've done a marathon. Actually, I've done two marathons. Oh, my God. Oh my and I'm doing God. a third one this year um, in Chicago in, in October, which I'm really looking do forward to. Do you count to. that as a holiday? Do you well, that's an excuse. Have you booked time off work to go and do a marathon? <laughs> yeah. That's not normal. <laughs> it's not the marathon almost that's the problem. It's the training to get to that. It's the, it's the awful bit. So, so yeah, so I, I do it. I'm a reluctant runner. I'm not very good. I, uh, you know, I'm pretty slow, but I get round. And... I've been running the Great North Run for about 20 years now and I, I tend to do it in ridiculous fancy dress outfits. <laughs> I'm doing it for the Heart Foundation this year and, and it's it's important to me to you know to do things like that for charity and, and you know push yourself that extra bit. And well that's do... worth a sponsor from me. Oh well brilliant, I'll uh, send you the link. <laughs> you do that, absolutely. Um, you're not on Twitter, is this a deliberate choice and do you see social media as a good or bad thing? <sighs> Sarah, I'm Come disappointed on. in you. I thought your investigative skills oh, would have located me on oh, Twitter. Oh, really? Have you got a bizarre handle? <laughs> I, I was like, she's got to be too formal because, you know, because of the job and the maths thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> geeky, geeky pass. No, no. So I am on Twitter, but to be honest, I'm not an active user. I kind of dip in and out of it and it's a, it's a, a personal account rather than a professional account. Fair. So it's... I, 
social media, I, you know, I'm good at some parts of it, but I really find Twitter difficult because you've got to be on it all of the time, don't you? You've got to create this, um, this persona and, and, an, and an ongoing feed. And I just, I, I lose and interest And then you just like talking it. like me, you know, on and off, <laughs> just to share. So just, if you work in an office note. on your own, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna chat to the people out there. <laughs> Reach out and see if anybody's there. Absolutely. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a linked, I'm an avid LinkedIn for yeah. work. And I'm a, oh God, I'm gonna show my age and I'm a Facebooker. Oh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on Insta mm. yet. Yeah, I'm on Insta. <laughs> so, yeah. So Facebook's, a, you know, keeping in touch with friends. You're an undersharer, I'm an oversharer. I think, uh, I think that's probably how we can play that. In summary, in summary, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go back to the day job. Tell me about businesses which are thinking about scaling and considering approaching a fund manager for capital. What do you look for in the teams and the companies themselves? I think the most important thing in all of these things is the people involved, um, you know, that's the first thing that you look for. Are there people that you want to in invest in? Are there people you can work with? Um, are they a team that work well together? Because if that's not there and you don't trust the people, then it's probably a non-starter. You know, um, it, things rarely go to plan in this in this market, and the people have got to be able to deal with that. And, and a good team can can ride some horrific storms and get out of the end of it. Um, you know, and also the people can can take on really exciting challenges, new opportunities that may have not been there in the first place. So really that's the that's the strength of it. They've got to be able to work together and, and um you know and, and have a clear idea of how they're gonna get there. Do you say no to many when people you know when you get a lot of um, pictures? We do, we probably do. Our conversion rate is usually about one in ten for the Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund, which is sort of the mainstream fund. Okay. Now, that might not all be that we don't want to do it. It might be that it's just not a right fit for the business. You know, it might not quite fit the criteria for whatever reason. Right. And what we would always do in those situations is try and pass them on to somebody that, that may be able to invest. Right. Sometimes it's the deal's too small for us or it's too big for us or... Yeah. You know the sector's not quite right. You know it's uh, it just depends. So, but a strong sign of confidence if you're that one in ten. Yeah, exactly. And it's probably of the people that you know that come to us are eligible. We'll probably do one in five. Okay, know. right. So okay. it's it's probably it's a lot stronger than that. Yeah. yeah, sure. You know, there's always a risk that some businesses will fail. You know, across the course of your career, do you think there are specific traits that increase the chance of failure? I mean, you mentioned their personality of the entrepreneurs behind the business yeah. the, and the management team. I yeah. guess that's probably quite a strong indicator. Yeah, I was going to say that I've seen loads of, of businesses fail, not for want of a great product, not for want of a market opportunity, but for Ego. a poor management team or teams not getting on together, conflict within the ranks, you know, and... And that's why I say it's so important, the people, because things do change, circumstances change. People react very differently under stress. And it's about trying to eat that out at the start before you, uh, before you get in there. That's often quite difficult. I bet it is quite difficult. <laughs> I think it's you can't really stress test because they're coming to yeah. you, to, you know, presenting their company in the most positive light yeah. with projections. Yes, and good salespeople are great at yeah, selling absolutely. themselves. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it is difficult. And I would say that, look, that's, and that's always the most disappointing thing. You know, sometimes if it doesn't work out and there's, you know, it's, it's through no fault or no lack of effort in terms of the teams that are working with, you feel really sad for those people. And, but it's the opportunities that are not taken or not capitalised on because of something that's, you know, 
unnecessary tension, tensions or, tension, or people yeah. that, that just can't accept that maybe they're not the right people to, to take the business to the next level. They've been great to take it to where it's got to right now, but they, can't, they haven't got the vision to, to strengthen the team to, to move forward. So, so yeah, I would say the people are the most important thing for the good and the bad. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, let's come on to a few more personal questions. Tell me one thing that people wouldn't know about you. That's hard, so, yeah. it is a hard question. So, my dad is, is, a, um, is a legend, a superstar. And is, 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 and is, that mega, is yeah. he? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was the first ever World Chauvetny Champion. He was in, the first ever what? World Chauvetny Champion. You know, have you ever heard of the game Chauvetny? It's like a pub game. Oh, a miners game, really. No, you know, so I haven't heard of this. This it's, is new to me. It's very northeastern, so that, you know, strong presence in the northeast of people used to play Chauvetny. It's basically a board with lines on it, and you shove what used to be an old halfpenny right. up the board, and you have to get it, try and get it between the lines, essentially. Wow. So that's quite a skill. So, yeah, quite a skill. And he was the first ever world Chauvetny champion, which was held down in Durham. And we didn't have to travel very far. But, yeah, that was back in 1981. Has so he got something go. to mark this, a certificate? Oh, he got a big, he got a big trophy at the Did time. He? He, was in, he was in the Durham <laughs> Advertiser. Oh, we see that he made the heady heights. <laughs> Not, maybe in the Royal Neko as well, so... I'm sure it was in the Royal Neko. <laughs> it can't possibly have passed them by. There's not, there's not very many people that can be the first world champion at something, so, yeah, that was my yeah. dad. Love it. That's a great story. <laughs> um, I believe you and your hubby are fans of live music, so what's the last gig you went to, and where would you recommend um, to put those who fancy a good night out? Ooh, so the last gig, there was a couple of gigs I went to back end of last year. Um, one of them was to see Soul to Soul, 30, oh, yeah. 30 year anniversary tour at the Sage, which was amazing. Was, they must be new to you, right? You uh, yeah, yeah old, definitely. I've already revealed my age through, the, through my lack of Insta. But, um, but yeah, so uh, so that was really good. And then, But shortly after that, in fact, it was the same week, I went to see Roy Ayers at Hoochie Coochie. Oh, yeah. So the, the godfather of funk. Yeah, we love live music. I love all sorts of different kinds of music. And actually, me and my husband, Stu, met through music. Because oh, we, we were um, We met when we were both in a band together. He was the drummer ah, and I was a singer. Well, there you go. So, yeah, it was made to be. I was so. going to say, true love. <laughs> yeah. True love over the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say, I, I mean, Sage is a fantastic venue. You well, know, if I'd known, I'd have made you sing a song. Oh, no. No, <laughs> definitely not. As we do off in, in singing terms. But... Um, Sage is a brilliant venue, but my favourite, favourite, favourite venue is Hoochie Coochie. It's amazing. You can go and see legends, and it's like they're singing at you in your living room. There's 250 people there. I've been wow. I've, I've been able to almost touch Candy Statton. Yeah, that's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So if you've never been, really, you have to go. Cause Get it's a great. ticket. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's a top tip. Right, I'm going to do something a bit more serious. Yeah. I know, bring it back down again. <laughs> Give me your views on the Northern Powerhouse. Now, for those who aren't really aware of what that is, it's been designed to devolve powers and budgets to the North. Do you think it's been successful today? What, what more do you think needs to happen? So, has it been successful today then? I think that the, the brand concept is brilliant. Northern Powerhouse, really descriptive, and you feel that that really sits well with the region. So it's definitely a brand people should get behind. I think that at the start, I think people did. I think the... The sort of the concept lost its way a bit with with lots of other things that were going on, and I think there are, there have been some real wins though that have come out of it. Devolved powers, I think, is really important. Making local um, choices and decisions, knowing the local markets is brilliant. So you know, Tees Valley were the first out of the blocks, weren't they? And and, um, and that's been going really well. 
the north of the town now has devolved powers. I think that's great. There's more to come, and I think in our in our market specifically, looking at finance for business, the British Business Bank have done a great job at launching and marketing the Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund as part of the Northern Powerhouse Initiative. So I think that's helped. But I suppose where it feel like there's a lot more to do is the infrastructure investment, transport, that sort of thing. It feels like we're still not very joined up. We need to be able to get around, um, not just around the Northern Powerhouse, but we need to get around um, the country to make the best of what we've got here in the North and and let people access it easily. And show that we're globally competitive, right? Exactly, exactly. So, So I think... There's more to come, and I think you know it's it's about everybody getting behind it and seeing it as a positive and find out more and get involved. Yes, that's the call to action. It is indeed. Well, one last question. My son asked me this, and I really liked it. So let's finish off with it. Stop me, and he said, "Mummy, if you could have a superpower, what would it be?" And just to clarify, Ben wants to be able to pause time, and I said invisibility. Oof. Yeah, I know. So it made me think for a little while. I had to go and get a cup of coffee and come back. <laughs> And going back to a question you asked before, you know, the, about the running and, and my love for fancy dress, I absolutely love a superhero cape. So this yeah, is the question for me. This is working for, for you. Yeah. It is. It is. What would I do? I would, if I could, teleport. Ah, oh, because like? It's a bit like Miss Popoff, isn't it? When she yeah. used to just disappear and Showing reappear. again. Had and you. Go, yes. Brenda Ghost. Yeah. My favourite. I used to love it. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, because I, I, I very often... Um, under <laughs> underestimate how long it takes me to get from A to B and try and fit too many things in. Yeah. So um, I feel your pain. Teleportation would be brilliant. Perfect. Joe, thanks for a great interview and for opening up about your work and home life. If you'd like to keep up to date with what Joanne's up to, you can connect with her on LinkedIn, as you've heard, and you can also find out more about FW Capital at fwcapital.co.uk. We've got some more great people lined up for the next few episodes, but if you or a client would like to be involved, please do drop me a line at sarahatastute.work. But bye for now and see you next time. Thank you for listening to My Friends in the North with Sarah Waddington. You can find Sarah on Twitter at Mrs. underscore Wads or get involved with the podcast by emailing sarah at astute.work. See you next time. Oh,